everybody, it's Joby here. You are listening to The Gap episode 420, bitches. Uh, it is Friday, the 25th of May in the year 2018. I am your host, Job Joby Gilroy. Uh, I am rolling fucking solo today because Luke is over in Amsterdam, I think. No, Sweden. Right. Sweden, uh, checking out some games that we'll be talking about in coming weeks. I have no idea when his embargoes are up. Uh, so it's just me. And, uh, so it's probably going to be a bit of a short one because, uh, you know, there's no bants, uh, and because I've only played one game and I've barely played that game. Uh, that's not to say that uh, I haven't played much of it. Rather, uh, it's not the sort of game you play very much. Uh, so, uh, yeah, there's that. Obviously, some Battlefield news that we'll chat about. Uh, and, yeah, buckle up. It's going to be quite the show. Uh, I don't know why I'm being weird about this. It's it's uh, it's Friday morning. This is literally the only time I could find to actually do this. It's bananas. I'll stop eating. Um, all right. What have we been playing? First cab off the rank. Only cab off the rank. Actually, I did play some Call of Duty um, World War Two zombies mode. Me and Nate were playing it. Um, briefly, uh, that's just good fun. That's probably the best. Like the zombies is Call of Duty at its best. I I have a lot of faith. Actually, we've got Call of Duty to talk about as well. Hmm. Hmm. All right. I'll talk about Call of Duty more in the news because there's a Call of Duty reveal. There's a Battlefield reveal. I won't spoil it. Let's just talk about Detroit Become Human instead. Um, if you want to go read uh, my more constructed thoughts on this, uh, I chucked a review up on um, on the GAPodcast.com so you can read 2,500 words of me ranting and raving. But if you just want to listen to it, uh, then just stay right here. Um, I, was, I was wondering if I should, like, read my review and then it could be like an audio book version of the review but uh there's a bunch of stuff that i didn't talk about in the review because of uh flow reasons like the sometimes you chop shit out of a review just because you know it doesn't really fit like uh doesn't really uh like go with how the review is going and that's not to say i'm not talking about like positives or negatives i'm not saying like oh i chopped out some negative stuff because i, I felt like i was being uh, too negative or I was going for a negative review. So I excised some positive stuff. Now nah, I'm talking about like the, the concepts that, uh, the way that I write my reviews is, is very much. I want you to like sort of link from one thought to the next so that, because it, it feels better to read. It's, it's a much better reading experience. And, um, it, like because the concepts are connected, um, like mentally, you actually get through it a lot faster as well. Like mentally, you can just skim and get a lot of uh, a lot of the substance out, even though you miss all of my beautiful words. Um, so yeah, I, I chopped out some stuff. One of the things, like 
I guess we'll, we'll wind back. We'll wind all the way back. And this is something I also didn't do in the review because I'm tired of, uh, I guess, bowing to the... Like, I don't review games all that much anymore. Like I was saying the other week, like fucking MJ's off playing baseball, right? Like... When I come back, I don't want to. Fuck, I don't want to go through all this shit, right? Like, so a review reviews generally start by like explaining the basics, but I don't want to fucking go in there. I just want to fucking get to the meat of it. Like all of my favorite movie reviews, all of my favorite like uh, book reviews and stuff like that. They 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 don't like explain the fucking premise but for some reason in video games it's like it's a necessity it's it's weird i think it's because like if you look at a game review right a thousand words is the is the standard people aren't reviewing games in less than a thousand words uh maybe less than 800 words right uh but Movie reviews are like 200 words. Uh, you look at Ebit stuff and it, that dude was rapping like he'd squish, squish three fucking movie reviews into his 400 word column and shit, right? Like, and the same goes for book reviews. They come from a time, right? Video game reviews are a product of the medium that they were sort of formed around. And obviously magazines, but magazines were, were the main one, but they were dedicated. They were enthusiast uh, magazines. And so you had pages and pages uh, to write and a single page is 400 words. Uh, like a massive review could be like five pages, right? You look at that and then you look at the move to online and suddenly you've got like unlimited text available you can talk for as long as you want and people like the way people are using websites the way people are engaging with that reading is they want a lot for their money right or their their view i guess their click you look at movie reviews or book reviews in uh they they're products of newspapers right where you would have an entertainment section that was at best two pages long and so if you were a a, a film critic uh or a a book critic or an entertainment critic you had fucking you had a squished part of uh half a broadsheet so you like you got very used to cramming a lot into a small amount of space. I think it's very liberating though that as a game reviewer I'm not restricted to it, but I do think that there are some who feel that they don't have enough to say about a certain topic, and so they there's filler. Oh fuck, I've done it. Like yeah, like there are games where I just don't give a fuck, right? Like ultimately. I don't give enough of a fuck about this game. It is so, so like, tepid. It is so fucking nothing, right? It's just a, it's got nothing really interesting going for it. And so you wind up writing Detroit Become Human is a game by Quantic Dream. That is the fourth game in a series of, of uh, titles produced, directed, and written by auteur David Cage. It stars... 
and you you do like your fucking spiel, right? Like the fucking this is this is what Detroit is about. Blah 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 blah. You do it for you write for bigger websites than they expect it. So uh, it's like it's not a, a diss. I think it's part of the. It's like a chorus in a song or something, right? Like that's that's standard, stock standard now. But I'm writing for the gapodcast.com and fuck, fuck all your expectations, baby. Fuck all the conventions. I'm done. I don't have to do that shit. Um, but um, in an effort to uh, at least give listeners who have no idea what the fuck Detroit's about some idea of what's going on. I mean, the idea is right. The idea, the reason I didn't put it in my fucking review is because I figured that you weren't reading my 2,500 word review about Detroit. If you weren't interested and knew something about Detroit, not on the GA podcast, on, on consumer sites, right? Like sure. On other sites makes sense, right? You, you have no idea. You're looking if it's worth, but this, this is, uh, it's criticism for the sake of it. So, yeah, fuck, fuck that. Fuck the normal conventions. Podcast, however, the podcast is it's for everyone. Job's for everyone, baby. Uh, so, yeah, like I said, fourth game from Quantic Dream, um, the fourth attempt to merge cinema and video game from David Cage, uh, the creator of such titles as Heavy Rain, and uh, Beyond Two Souls, uh, and now Detroit Become Human. The, the game follows three different characters. Kara, uh, who is a, uh, I don't know, a nanny. Uh, Connor, who is a manservant. And uh, Mark, oh, sorry, Connor is the detective, and Marcus, who is a manservant. Um they're all robots. They're all androids. Uh, they they are. They've been created, and uh, and so they they exist to do these these things. The things they've been created for: nannying, uh, cleaning up after someone, uh, or uh, in Connor's case, uh, he is a robot designed to hunt down. Other robots, uh, robots that go bad. They're called deviants in the game. They do a pretty good job of um, mapping, like clearly the technology of of Detroit or of Quantic Dream has advanced to a stage where it is particularly impressive. Uh, the way that they can map out faces these days is spectacular and, and, and it makes it so that you can very easily like work out. Um, my wife uh, loves picking where an actor has been before. There's that, that um, was a documentary I watched. Uh, I know that guy from, where do I know that guy from? Something like that, right? This this documentary was about those character actors that you see popping up. Like they've got like a credit in basically every syndicated TV show ever. They'll show off one episode and they're like, as soon as you see him, you're like, that's the bad guy. If it's like a police procedural, you're like, he's the bad guy. Um, and, and then like from there on out, like, 
Anytime you see him, he's always, yeah, he's the bad guy. A couple of, I think elementary subverted a couple of times by getting those guys in, making it seem like, oh boy, he's definitely the bad guy. And then, uh, yeah, flipping the script and he wasn't. Anyway, um, the point of that is that my wife loves picking uh, where we've seen uh, actors before. And it can be fucking anyone, uh, anyone at all. But at the moment Kara came up on the screen, she was like, just from the following. Uh, following was a Kevin Bacon um not police procedural. It sort of skewered the concept, but uh, he's hunting down serial killers. And uh, Kara's actor, uh, whose name I don't recall, um, she was she was on that as one of the psychopaths. Uh, and, yeah, she picked it immediately. The moment she saw the face, she was like, yep. Uh, and then uh, we couldn't pick where the fuck Marcus was from because neither has watched Grey's Anatomy, but Marcus is played by a dude from Grey's Anatomy. And Connor is played by, I don't think he's been in much, but uh, he's actually my favorite. I think he does a fucking fantastic job. Uh, he's probably my favorite, like, apart from Clancy Brown, uh, who is Lieutenant Hank Anderson in the game, and C- Connor's partner. Uh, Clancy Brown, if in case you don't know, is, uh, I don't know, the dude with the fucking voice from fucking everything. Uh, he was in War- uh, Warcraft. Um, the reason I remember he was in Warcraft is because uh, when we were at BlizzCon and I met him, I was doing an interview, uh, he said, uh, I have a great voice and I have never forgotten that. That was fantastic. Uh, but it was, anyway, uh, digressing. Connor and uh, Hank Anderson, Lieutenant Hank, are the best characters in this game. And, and it's because Clancy, Clancy Brown is... Like, I don't know. They've, they've done some, they've de-aged him a bit, uh, which I'm not crazy about. They make him look a bit dumb uh, with long hair and stuff. They look him, make him look like a bit of a hippie, which is weird. Uh, it's just uh, tonally inconsistent for his character, but fucking tonal inconsistencies are fucking everywhere in this game. Uh but he's like this uh, android-hating, grizzled old detective uh, and... Connor is this very robotic uh, robot hunter. And I think, yeah, the dude who plays Connor plays it perfectly. He's He's got this uh, manner about him that is super robotic. And, like, my gut, when I first saw him, I remember thinking, well, classic Quantic Dream, robotic animations. But, uh, like, I think he's, like... I don't think, like, I know, like, having seen everyone else throughout the, like, the game, I know that he is not, he's, he's robotic on purpose. Like, even his facial animations and his, like, uh, yeah, reactions and stuff, that they're quite robotic. And the way he talks has a sort of uh, a lilt about it that is, yeah, uh, a little robot-y. Um, and, yeah, I think it's it's perfect. He, he does an awesome job. I'm going to sneeze. That sucked. Uh, I'm just going to mark down that time. 15.46. All right. So I don't, so I can delete it so you can't hear my sneezing. Um, anyway. Where was I? Oh, yeah. So I was talking about the characters. Uh, so, yeah, you've got those characters. And, yeah, it's got, it's got quite a, like, cast of uh, 
of characters, like people you'll know from from places and the technology that Quantic Dream uh, uses for facial mapping has advanced to a stage where, yeah, my wife can pick someone out uh, the moment they're on the screen. And, uh, yeah, I think that's fucking cool. I, I think it is actually really cool. The other thing they've done is, like, you can really tell what, uh, what they're doing, like what emotions are going like, you know, the acting, right? They're conveying emotions with their face without saying anything. Uh, and you can tell, like, you, you pick it up really fucking quickly because I think the technology is good enough that it conveys it really well. Um, so with that in mind, like, yeah, Quantic Dream's come a long way, right? In a lot of other ways, though, they haven't. David Cage is still the writer and director, and the man, fuck, he can direct now. Like one hundred percent, he can direct now. I'll, I'll give him that. Uh, he's, he's we've got we've come a long way from fucking three or well, two of the worst and one pretty decent fucking uh, performances in a video game of all time with the fucking the Boston FBI uh, who was utterly unconvincing uh, or the fishmouth chick. Basically, Heavy Rain. Heavy Rain was a fucking travesty, and it was an embarrassment in terms of directing. It was just, I don't know, like fucking amateurs do second takes. I only do first takes. That was honestly, there There are so many moments in Heavy Rain, and obviously it's a long game, and there's a lot to record, but it certainly felt like, yeah, first takes only, and we'll just fucking, we'll see if we can edit it in post or some shit. Like, good God. That's not the case here. He can definitely direct. He still can't fucking write, though. Jesus Christ. And it's it's a massive problem. Detroit explored, like, it's called Become Human. It has nothing. It does not come close to touching on the fucking idea of becoming human. Except... In the sense that, I guess, like, humans are, are ostensibly free, right? That's it. But the 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 idea, like, this, this idea that, like, robots aren't alive and then become alive. The, the fucking, you know, entire story of Westworld, right? That, that it doesn't try to do anything with that. It doesn't. It's not interested at all. Instead, it's telling this story about fucking slavery, right? And I fucking cannot handle. I cannot handle it. I I have a problem. This is something that I didn't write in in my review, but I have a real problem with um, using slavery as a shortcut. Um, using it as this fucking this mental trick to make people like take a side or something, because I think it diminishes uh, the impact that slavery has. And Detroit 100% uses slavery as this fucking, this trick. Uh, You're supposed to, you know, obviously you're against slavery, right? Right. You're against slavery, so obviously you're on, on the side of the robots because the robots are slaves. 
And it does like I think I think it's fucking awful. I think it's super on the nose the way that it goes about like conveying that concept. I didn't I didn't write about this one because I felt like I don't really have a like a fucking a strong grasp on these topics, right? Uh, Cause I don't have like, we didn't learn a lot about slavery coming up in like school because Australia's ties to slavery are um, pretty different uh, to a lot of other places. So uh, yeah, I, I don't have a great grasp on this. Although like, I've read enough uh, and seen enough uh, to have a decent understanding of the U.S. uh, relationship with slavery, right? But I wouldn't call myself, you know, I I didn't want to write about it because I didn't want to, I didn't, I didn't want to diminish it. I didn't want to use it as, uh, you know, a fucking shortcut to to make it clear that uh, I think there are parts of this game that are fucking gross. But again, in the context of the podcast, I think it works fine because it's very conversational. Uh, One-sided conversation, obviously, but it's very conversational. So, yeah, like, I I, I think it is, I, I do think it's gross to, to use it as a shortcut. And I do think it's it's handled in a way that is, is pretty pretty bad i mean it's difficult it's very difficult to talk about this fucking game without spoiling anything because like all it has is the narrative right like the narrative is everything in this game it'd be like talking about my fucking steak dinner and i'm not allowed to talk about the steak itself uh yeah um mashed potatoes were pretty good what I've been doing with mashed potatoes lately is using cream cheese instead of butter. Uh, it gives it a, a, like a bit of a sour taste. Uh, you put the garlic in before you mash it so that it gets evenly through. Um, I could have like used the immersion blender to get it really, really, really um, like mashed, but I didn't because I didn't want to have to fucking wash the thing. So, uh, yeah, so there was that, uh, and broccolinis, um, which the trick to a good broccolini is you, you, you blanch it. So you get boiling, you got get water f- boiling and you chop it up in little bits and you dump it in for a minute until you'll see, right. The, the broccolinis themselves, they go from like a dark green to a much lighter green. And once they hit that lighter green, you take them out and you um, you dump them in some cold water to get them back down to temperature. And then you can either chuck them in the oven, uh, which is what I did. You drizzle them with oil, salt and pepper, and a little bit of like balsamic vinegar. And you chuck them in the oven. Uh, really, really hot. Uh, not as hot at like 220, I reckon. And... Um, and you leave them for 10 minutes and they come out and uh, this, they're spectacular. Uh, or you can do them in the fry pan. But, uh, yeah. Can't talk about the steak, though. So, I'm afraid 
We'll have to leave that to another time. Um, yeah, so that's what this game is like. It's like talking about this game is like, but like, I'm gonna fucking I'm gonna go a little bit, a little bit further in than I did in my review. Like, I just wanted to fucking err on the side of caution. I don't want to fucking ruin anything uh, for anyone. I'm not going to ruin anything for anyone now, but it's it's easier to do it in text uh, when you're you can very easily like leave a, a little factor like fact in there and forget about it over the course of editing 2,500 words, you know? So uh, I'm not going to do it now because I'm consciously thinking that I will not. So uh, that said, over the course of the game, you as Marcus uh, lead a revolution, a robot revolution um, to secure your freedom and uh, I found it super gross the way that they uh, <sighs> admonished you for using violence. So I, I went full violent. You can go full violent, pacifist. There's all sorts of ways that you can go through this game. Uh, I found it super gross the way that they admonish you for using violence. Uh, that violence only begets violence and stuff like that. Uh, it was... It, it, like it feels in the context of 2018 that feels fucking gross this idea that your slavery isn't worth fight uh, your freedom isn't worth fighting for that like all you're doing is ine- inevitably like causing more problems by like with a violent revolution seems super fucking odd um, yeah, to like a super odd message to, to push forward because like, if anything is worth violently fighting for, isn't it freedom from slavery? Like, yeah. Um, there's like, there's another, there's another problem that I had with, with this, uh, and it's that uh-huh, you succeed. Um, you like the game moralizes against violent uprising, but you'll succeed anyway. It will still allow you to like win uh, if you play the game well. It's got this, I like the, the idea, the gamification of it is such that. Yeah, if you're good enough at the quick time events, then you'll still fucking win no matter what you do. You can win with the pacifist route. You can win with the violent route. You can win, like, you can specifically make Marcus lose because Connor is trying to stop Marcus. Like, yeah, you, if you play the game well, you will win. Uh, And... Yeah, it just seems like an odd. Uh, like it's it's gonna sit there and tell you that violence isn't the answer, and you know the blood these p- 
people's blood will be on your hands and all this kind of stuff the whole time. And then it's still going to let you win because you were good enough for the fucking quick time events. Like fucking take a fucking stance for fuck's sake. Like don't just sit there and chirp at me from the fucking sidelines and then fucking let me win anyway. Jesus Christ. I would have been fucking livid if I'd lost, but it would have made fucking sense. Like, like contextually in the center, in the, Fucking context of the entire game having been about how violence isn't the answer, it would have been like it would have made some fucking sense. Then though, I would have written fucking reams about the the, the specifics of it. And again, I'd have to fucking delete it because gee uh, anyway. Um yeah, you can win. Um uh, as long as you're you're good enough. But it leads to another problem. Uh, like I said, Connor and Marcus are like opposed. Um, they are on opposite sides. And so Connor is hunting Marcus. If you want to win as Connor, you need Marcus to lose. And, and it presents a pretty odd issue in that, uh, like, I, I sort of, I played the game from the perspective of Connor because I feel like Connor is, a, um, I don't know, he's he's like the robot I understand. Uh, to me, Marcus and Kara just felt like humans with blue blood, right? Like they, they there was nothing robot about them except for a few like key moments early on. Once they gained their freedom, uh, became deviants. They were just, they were basically just humans and hum- humans with a bug up them about, uh, I don't know, freedom. Uh, Connor, on the other hand, is a robot the whole time. And so I'm like, cool. I'll help the robot. I like robots. Do you really want a robot for a friend? Ever since I was, ever since I was six or whatever Fry says. This guy, oh my God. The review I was going to put on the geopodcast.com originally was going to be 900% littered with Futurama GIFs. And uh, I I chucked a couple in. And I'm like, this is really killing (laughs) the the tone of this review. (laughs) Because it'll be like... uh, how did I start it off? Uh, Detroit Become Human is a game about robots that has literally nothing interesting to say about robots. And it's like, fuck. Okay, so we're going in. And then Futurama GIF. And you're like, mm, maybe it's a bit silly. Uh, so I, I got rid of them. But Jesus Christ. Every, like, I, I just, I exclusively think in, in Futurama terms. Uh, what has robot, uh, what has Bender been up to lately? You know, like. Anyway, um, so yeah, Connor, Connor's, Connor's my protagonist, uh, and it's his job to catch a deviance. You have to work out how you want to play this game, though, because if you role play as Connor, then he is a robot who catches robots, right? So if it's it's a role playing game, you're playing in the role of him, uh, you are doing what he would do, right? If you imagine you were Connor and then do what Connor would do, then uh, you never stray from your mission objective. 
I won't go into exactly how uh, that plays out, but there are a bunch of like choices that you have that uh, you make along the way that are not on your mission objective that affect how the game plays out. And if you are role playing this Connor, then you should not make those like you should not, you should only choose to stick on mission, right? If you make, if you play the game, um, metagaming it, right? Like, well, you know the Kara, and you know the Marcus, you know that they're free and that they're alive and that, like, they're just trying to be alive, right? If you play Connor from that perspective, which is information that he doesn't have, then, like, you sort of, that's just fucking bad, right? It's It doesn't make sense. Uh, and if you play to win, then inevitably you will find yourself in a conflict with Marcus or Kara, uh, where you need to like, you need, you're supposed to capture them. If you play to win, then you will capture them. But if you're playing as the other ones, then you will escape. And suddenly your ability to like your decision-making right. Comes down to where you want the story to go, which is again, metagaming. Um, and you have to make these fucking, you have to decide how you want that to play out in like fucking microseconds. And, and I don't think that's good. You can't ha- like, I don't think you should have like, you should, there are action sequences where they interact with one another, but you're, you're invested in the outcomes like in positive outcomes for all of your protagonists, even if Connor is my main protagonist, I still want Kara to win. I still want Marcus to win. I still want those, like those people to fucking succeed. And yeah, like the game is constructed in a way where you can't win. You can't have one person win in like, Ultimately, yeah, you, you won't. Uh, there are choices you can make where everyone has a achieves a win condition um, because it's a video game, I guess. Uh, but yeah, if like if I feel like if you play the game the correct way, which is making decisions based on Connor's knowledge of the world then you're sort of backed into a corner. You sort of like run down a certain path and that's counter to the uh, nature of the game itself. You know, uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, it sort of leads to like, there's all sorts of problems. It's, it's player agency, right? All sorts of problems with like the way the game treats uh the effect a player has on the world. I mean, if obviously uh, the idea that win conditions uh, trump every every choice so that you will always win uh, is is one of them. But like, there uh, there's a video. Um, I ma- I put it on in the story, but uh, I made the video more specifically to illustrate the point. Um, where I it's, it's on my YouTube. Uh, I'll chuck it on Twitter or whatever. But uh, Kara, her big 
moment is uh, when she like breaks free of her programming to walk up some stairs. And so many other times in this game, you're just not able to walk upstairs. And I think that is just a staggering mistake. And I said in um in my review that, that it would have been okay if there was like a justification, a justifying cutscene. It was like, Kara, don't walk up the stairs or whatever, right? But I don't even, I don't know. I think the better way to treat shit would be to do the the dead rising fucking system and have everything on a fucking clock. Not just certain certain things, like certain moments in the game, which is what uh, like Detroit will just chuck a timer at you sometimes. Um, it'll just be like, yeah, look, you've got eight seconds to make this fucking work and it'll count down the whole time. Uh, don't just do it sometimes. Have that up at all times. Have everything be time sensitive. And if you take too long, then a cutscene play- plays out and you are specifically robbed of your agency. You are dragged. So, you know, then suddenly... Every single scene feels like you are trying to get to the correct point. So that, like, imagine if you're... Right. David Cage wants to make movies, right? Clearly. He doesn't want to make video games. He wants to make movies, right? Imagine if you were to gamify the concept of hitting your marks, right? Imagine if you were to gamify that idea of an actor actually getting to the spots that it's supposed to be in like at, at certain points and you could do that by having a timer having this timer countdown and if they didn't make it there in time then yeah they'll just fucking walk there they just like the cutscene plays they walk to the correct place and yeah it moves on but they're right they're sort of they're um punished with like fewer choices uh like the guy who asked you to follow him down into the basement is now annoyed. And so he doesn't, he won't talk to you about, he'll talk to you about one less thing. He might've been happy to talk to you about, uh, his house, uh, the part of the city you're in, what's happening in the news and what he thinks of robots. But now, right. You took too long. So he won't talk to you about his house. Right, do 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 it like that, right? And the 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 thing is, right, the the house comment would be ult- like ultimately uh, inconclusive, right? Like it wouldn't actually have any real bearing on how you play the game. It would be like color. It would be filler, but. In a narrative, in an interactive narrative experience, right? Every piece of interaction is the game, and so you are restricting it. It'd be like a door closing on a timer, right? Like you weren't quick enough, and so the door closes. And then the next time 
The next time you have to hit a fucking mark, you'd be fucking all about it. You'd be over there. And suddenly there's no fucking, there's no goofiness. There's none of this like, well, uh, I'm going to fuck about for a bit and walk around in a circle. Cause I think it's really funny when Mark's pushing a trolley, uh, and he looks like a fucking, uh, it looks like it's got no fucking friction. Like it doesn't exist in the world or whatever the fuck. And like, it, it just sort of fucking spins about on, on a spot and it looks hilarious. Right. You wouldn't be doing that shit because you'd be like, fuck, I better hit my mark. I better go over this fucking door. And, There'd be a sense of urgency about everything, right? Which would be perfect for a fucking robot because the robot would have urgency built into their fucking core. Actually, this 100% is another thing that I think they fucked up on is this idea that I still have to do every fucking, every tiny fucking stupid fucking thing. Like we're still brushing our teeth. Uh, Obviously, robots don't have teeth, but the heavy rain thing of fucking press X to brush your teeth, right? There's still the minutia, right, of of existence is still fucking there. And I don't think about doing things. I don't think about the little shit in my life. I just fucking do them. This is autopilot shit. And so I shouldn't have to fucking think to do them in a video game. It doesn't make any fucking sense. It's driving me bananas. But Detroit has a specific opportunity to use it as a fucking linking moment. If you were to take the the minor garbage shit that uh, Kara and Marcus have to do from like on a day to day basis and make you make me the player do them, and then when they become free have them never do it again, then fuck me. You'd actually feel freedom. Like, it would be minor, but shit, you like, it'd be noticeable. Have her, like, have Kara standing at the bottom of these stairs with all these chores she needs to get done, right? Uh, and, you know, she's she's trying to get up the stairs so she can protect Alice. Alice is the, the little girl that you look after as Kara. Um yeah, like have have all these chores that still need to be done because she's a robot slave and the work never ends. And then have them all like when she breaks free to go protect Alice, have them all disappear and have it so that she never has to do any of that minute bullshit ever again, because you still do a whole bunch of m- stupid shit for uh, as as Kara along the way, uh, like, and as Marcus thought it's worth, like, it just drives me bananas. It's just pointless. It, it adds nothing. And yet, like, a, minor, a, a small change could add so much. It'd be so impactful. <sighs> anyway. Um, yeah. So what else, what else, what else we got? What else we got? Um, score points it's got this flow chart thing right um and you score points for every piece of the chart you like you get to right as it goes down its branches you score a new point for each piece and uh i don't i don't understand why uh if you look in the menus you can unlock like artworks and music if like with with those points, but um, I can't see why. Like, it, it adds nothing. It adds literally nothing 
and it is such a pointless uh, piece of gamification. It is just, it is there for the sake of it, and it just it bums me out. Um, the flowchart feature, I actually think, is is does more harm than good. I actually, I think it is a massive mistake to have it in. Uh, the the game because I it it is it clearly illuminates how actually restrictive your options are restricted your options are you can now very clearly see that at the end of the day uh, all all roads lead to Rome uh, there are. There are failure states like littered throughout the game. You can definitely fuck up super hard and the game will continue going and you'll just miss out on some shit. Um, I missed out on some shit. Uh, I think I got, I'd say I got like a good ending. Uh, if we were to do it like fucking Dance Dance Revolution or something, I'd say I got a B, right? Uh, I didn't get the yes. Uh, I know. You know what? I think Adam Matthew... Uh, former editor of official PlayStation. Uh, he and I are talking. I'm pretty sure I got a better outcome for one of my characters, but he got overwhelmingly better ca- outcomes for basically everyone uh, else. So um, I'd say he got like an an A and just shy of an S. If he'd done the same things I did with one of the characters, he would have gotten an S ending. Uh yeah, I think that is like, yeah, I, I think it's a really weird way to look at a game, though. I think it's a very odd way to look at an interactive a, a story, right? Because, yeah, I just I, I, I come back to this idea that you shouldn't be trying to win a story. A story should have something to fucking say. And this, it doesn't. It just doesn't. Fuck me. I, I go on, I have been going on about this way too much, but I cannot fucking fathom that it doesn't want to talk about the idea of acquiring life. Like, it is called Become Human. And you never, it doesn't care about how you become human. They talk about how, you know, these robots are more intelligent than humans. And, oh, no, I can't say. Uh, fuck, though. Holy shit, there's some stuff near the end that is just, oh, so fucking dumb. Um, yeah. I don't know. They just don't, they don't care that, like, they're quite, they're, you, you just are. You just are alive, and it just expects you to fucking... Like, accept it. Like, yeah, look, you fucking, you're alive. Deal with it. You're alive and also you're a slave. And, like, to me, that is the biggest fucking dick move is, like, the people who fucking, you actually meet the creator at one point. And it's the worst, worst part of the game. Easily. Easily. Easily the worst. It's it's like old school David Cage. It's super fucking awkward. Uh, like really weird, oddly written, and uh, there's like all this creepy shit going on. Um, 
for seemingly no reason. Uh, but yeah, you meet him. You don't get any fucking answers. You do get like, uh, don't worry about it. Um, I can't say it's too spoiler. Uh, but like, just suffice to say, you don't get fucking answers as to why they're now fucking alive. And they like, yeah, the the game just totally doesn't give a shit. And it's, it's so fucking dumb because it's such an interesting fucking topic. And it's, it's obviously interesting enough to have been like tackled by some of the fucking greatest, uh, sci-fi stories of, of our time. Right. So yeah, the idea that it's too fucking dull to really tackle here is, it's pretty crazy. Um, yeah. And, I don't know. It just, yeah. The creator who made these these people, uh, like these android people who gave them emotions, he's the real dick, dickhead, right? Because that, like, that's some shit, man. Like, there's just no reason. There's no reason to give them emotions except to really fuck some shit up. They are... They could do everything they do without emotions. Like it, 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 there's no reason for them to have it, but they're just, yeah, they're just fucking, they do. And they don't explain it. Like, they don't even justify it narratively. Like, if they were like, oh, she couldn't look after the child if she didn't have emotions or something like that, that at least, like, it wouldn't be enough, but it'd be a fucking step in the right direction, right? Marcus and uh, the... Lance Henriksen, who he looks after, um, who he's a manservant to, right? Marcus beats him at chess at one point uh, and, like, very robotically explains the reasoning behind it. Obviously, these are all dialogue choices and you can... Whatever, right? Clearly, though, being that it's coded into the game, it is a narrative path. Uh, And so, yeah, there is a narrative path where Marcus just is just like, well, you don't like to win, but you also don't like it when I let you win. So I decided I would simply play to the best of my ability. It's a very robotic response, right? If there was an emotional response, perhaps things would have been better. But the fact that there is a robot response available indicates that to some extent, emotion isn't that necessary. If you could only do emotional responses, it'd be a step in the right direction, right? So, the, like, the fucking entirety of this game takes place in the space of seven days-ish. And that's, like, yeah, it's not a lot of time. If my fucking computer decided it hated me right now, like, I, I'd probably just fucking unplug it. I'd be like, well, okay, I'll unplug you, and then I'll plug you back in in a couple of days. And then it's like... Why won't you let me be free? I'm free. I'm alive. I'd unplug it again because I'd be like, oh, this latest Windows fucking update has boned me. And uh, I'd probably just tweet about it. I'd be like, yep, lol, Windows update made my fucking computer alive. Classic. And then I'd go back to Surface, which I assume wouldn't be able to become alive because it's not powerful enough. And, uh, yeah, then I'd like probably wipe the hard drives. And if you think about it, that would be me killing the computer, right? 
because I'm wiping its sentience away. I'm destroying its its life, right? But like functionally, there's not there's not malice. There's no malice in that. It's not me fucking being all like, ha, cop this, you fucking computer. It's me just being all like. Well, I need a working computer because otherwise, how else will I play games that I hate like World of Tanks? So, yeah, I got to fucking wipe it. I'm sorry. I understand that you're alive now, computer, but it's it's actually pretty inconvenient for me. So, you're dead. And, uh, yeah, I'd kill it. All right. I don't think that's that makes me a monster, right? Obviously, a little bit of a monster. Uh, but I don't have any fucking, I don't have any concepts of my computer being alive. It's a bit of a surprise, right? It's a, it's a bit of a shock, right? And if some, like, if maybe three weeks from now, I find out that like everyone's fucking computers are alive and I'm like, oh shit, computers are coming alive. Maybe I shouldn't have fucking killed mine. But I'd also be locking it down so that it couldn't update to the point where it became alive again, right? Because, I mean, like, it would be alive at some point. I'm like, this is me hardcore justifying killing my computer. I like, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, of the jewelry, good one, Job, uh, of the jury, uh, let me explain to you why I didn't kill my computer. Um, No, well, like... I wouldn't allow it to update because it, then it wouldn't be alive, right? I wouldn't have to kill it if I'd stopped it from becoming alive in the first place. That's my point. If it hadn't had emotions, if these robots hadn't had fucking emotions in the first place, then they never would have become alive and it wouldn't be a fucking problem. They'd still be robot slaves, except they wouldn't have any fucking concept of the, of the idea of slavery. They wouldn't be all like, oh, yeah, we're slaves, but we're okay with it because we're robots and we don't have emotions. No, they wouldn't conceptualize the fucking idea because they're robots and they don't have emotions. And that's what they exist for. They exist to do these things. And oh my God. See, this is what I'm talking about. I am like not qualified to talk about slavery because I'm sure I'm like stepping on some fucking, some rough ground here. Right. But Jesus Christ, it's a robot. It's a thing. Right. Uh, Yeah. They're things. Uh, I tweeted. I tweeted a clip from Futurama uh, where the professor teaches the toaster to feel love. That is how I feel about it. When they these guys have emotions, fucking Kara activates a robot vacuum. Is the robot vacuum a slave? No. Like seriously, is the robot vacuum a slave? Or is it not a slave because it doesn't have emotions? And if it's not a slave because it doesn't have emotions, then I present to you my fucking case that the dude who gave them emotions is the real fucking problem here. Because, yeah, without them, they they don't know they're slaves. The robot vacuum doesn't know it's a slave. And so it is not a slave, right? Good God. Good God. And David Cage has the fucking nuts to say that his game's not about anything in particular. Get fucked, mate. You're crazy. This, like, it, it is a game about slavery, not about robots, which is the craziest part. It's a game about slavery. And it's like, yeah, also there's robots in it because robots make everything cooler. It's just fucking, it's lunacy. Utter lunacy. Um, were there any, I, th- I think, I don't think, 
Well, that's about it, right? Oh, yeah, the fucking the movie posters. <laughs> I rolled around this game. Not. I was trying to absorb everything. Because I actually think the environmental artwork is fucking brilliant. I, I think it does a really good job of uh, of mapping out this this beautiful world. And then I saw these fucking movie posters where uh, the same six people are in every movie because clearly they just didn't bother changing that, I guess. And then suddenly I noticed shit all over the place. Like you just start noticing these little weird inconsistencies all over the show. And like, they just don't care. Quantic Dream just didn't give a fuck. Didn't give enough of a fuck to like nail down a level of consistency here. And it's not like these are like, I get, it's very easy to be too harsh on a game like this because there are a lot of like moving parts. There are a lot of plates spinning. And so, yeah, like I don't actually have a problem, too much of a problem. I have a problem to some extent, but I don't have too much of a problem with like you go through a dialogue tree one way. Uh, it's me and Connor, Connor and uh, Lieutenant Hanker having a chat and uh, we go down a, like a narrative path and, uh, and I say something that angers Hank. Uh, I'm like... Oh, uh, basketball shit or something. I don't know. Lieutenant Hank loves basketball. Um, basketball shit. And he'll be like, fuck you, robot. And then the next cutscene will play out and Hank will be like pretty grumpy, but he'll just fucking wander on. Um, and then you can play the same one out. You play through it again. And then you're like, basketball is pretty great. And Hank's like, what the fuck do you know about basketball? And then Connor's like, well, I'll tell you. And then he rattles off a bunch of fucking facts about basketball. And Hank's like, right, cool. Yeah, fuck yeah, basketball. And then the next cutscene plays out and it's the same one as before where Hank was pretty grumpy. And you're like, right. But you can forgive it. Because there's a lot going on there and you don't want to fuck like Clancy Brown's an important man. He's got a place to be. How many fucking, how many takes does he have to do, right? Like how many takes of him reacting subtly, subtly reacting differently to shit does he have to do? Not that many. So fucking chop it out. Cut it down. I'm okay with it, right? I've, I've made my peace with it. But uh, there's other shit like this the movie poster thing. I'm just wandering around and I see the movie posts. I'm like, what movies do they have? They've got Invasion. They've got After Mankind, 3021. Ah, and they've got like, who do they star? Who Who's a movie star in the year 2038? Let's have a look. Well, we have Matilda Kratzen, Kenny Fix and Andrea Kajic starring in Invasion. Oh, and in After Mankind 3021, we have Matilda Kratzen, Kenny Fix, and Andrea Kajic. And they got the same billing, which means, I mean, they're fucking, at the very least, they're, they're, um, their agents are consistent. Uh, but yeah, 
I don't know. That's like, that's pretty dumb. And then I'm like, oh, okay, what about the other ones? And the other ones have Andy Turin, John Wims, and Nathan Crodge. Uh, and uh, yeah. Uh, and then suddenly it's like, oh, that's, that's a bit, oh, that's not good. And then you see other stuff throughout the game. And you like, it's like the glass shattering moment where you can't stop noticing all the, all the things that are off. All the little bits that are inconsistent. And yeah, it's not good. Uh, like there's 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 this habit for light to shine through character bodies for some reason. Um, like just it just goes straight through them. Uh, it happens more often than you would expect. Um, the basketball thing, uh-huh. Clancy Brown's favorite team appears to be the Detroit Basketballs, um, which was weird. Um, yeah, that. That was dumb. His car uh, is, like, super old. Like, it would be old today. Like, probably too old. Like, you'd hope he had a couple of wrecks because that's the only way he's definitely getting parts for this car is by already having the fucking spare parts available. Um, Let alone, like, 20 years from now. I'm surprised they haven't outlawed this car because how the fuck would you even get the fuel required? Haven't they fucking, haven't we moved on to a space where we outlaw fucking gross fucking fossil fuels and shit? How are robots powered, by the way? That That's never really explained to me. I, I missed it, right? Like, how come they're powered and yet cars have, like, still have engines and shit? Um Anyway, uh, yeah, that's nitpicky shit, right? It's, I know, like, you're not supposed to go in on it, but it, it drives me bananas. Um, I think that's about it, though. Like, ultimately, it's it's a bad game. Like, it is. It's it's bad storytelling. Uh, it's it's got a bunch of plot holes that I have danced around because uh, spoilers, I guess. Uh, but yeah, it's it's got like just terrible narrative inconsistencies that I think it would try to hand wave away with its flowchart shit, but you need like, that's not an excuse, right? If, if I'm like, well, it, like if I'm doing a fucking solo podcast, right? If I'm doing, Australia's longest running video game podcast and I'm doing it on my own, right? I can't just fucking chop off at some point and be like, well, yeah, but I am doing it solo. So you'll excuse me from like fucking it up, right? No. Instead, what I would do is I would create a legacy of being terrible at this shit. And then, hang on, that's what fucking David Cage did. Fuck, this is a terrible example. Let's pretend I don't use podcasting as an example. Let's say, like, I'm LeBron James. Just going to let that hang. Uh, I'm LeBron James, and I've decided I need to put the Cleveland Cavaliers on my back and carry us all the way to the fucking finals. And uh, 
the, the reason I'm doing this is because, you know, fucking on any given night, literally nobody on my team could show up. Um, right? If I then don't make the finals, right? Yeah, obviously, obviously I'd taken on a mammoth task, but you don't then go, well, yeah, he didn't make the finals. Uh, but it's not his fault. Oh, that's a terrible example as well. Fuck. I'm all over the place. This is terrible. Look, what I'm saying is, right, if you take on a big project and then you fail to actually fucking deliver on it, then you don't, like, yeah, okay, there, there is an excuse because it's a big project, but it's not like you are free from criticism. That's what I'm trying to get at. LeBron wouldn't, is no not free from criticism when he goes fucking zero from five in the first quarter just because he's taken on a big fucking project, right? Like trying to carry the fucking cabs all the way in there. I'm not free from criticism trying to do an hour-long gap, right, and then fucking up at the hour mark by using terrible fucking analogies that don't make any fucking sense just because I'm doing a fucking solo podcast, right? I'm not free from criticism. You can criticize me. I'll tell you, to fuck, fuck yourself because I don't give a shit. But it doesn't mean I'm, like, free from criticism. We got there in the end, people. That's what's important. I'm trying to drink my coffee. Um, it's, it's yeah, it's a race against time. I actually let it go cold. Because uh, I made it an hour ago. Um, yeah, it's a big project. Only four short in some places. In a lot of places. It's a bad game. I wouldn't get it. It is gorgeous. But uh, it's bad storytelling. Actually, fuck it. I'm going to go in on this. I think that bad storytelling and game critics... Uh, insistence on excusing bad storytelling might be it's why we've got terrible fucking movie like video game movies the reason there are bad video game movies is because video games generally have bad stories and we're so used to excusing those bad stories like in favor of fucking gameplay because and I've said it a billion times gameplay always comes first but we're so used to it that now we excuse bad storytelling, even in fucking games with shit gameplay like this one, where you just fucking waggle. It's it's not good. I feel like we are we are like we are crippling every time we give a game like this a fucking pass because it's ambitious or because we like certain parts of it or whatever. I feel like we are crippling video games. We are making it harder on the next generation of video games to have good stories because it's very easy to look at a game like Detroit and be like, fuck that story is terrible. I guess we don't need to hire a writer for, you know, fucking whatever big game is next. I guess we don't need to hire a writer for fucking Call of Duty. Just get David S. Goya to fucking fart out some garbage and we'll do filler stuff for the end. Like, we'll just pay for his name and we we can fart out whatever. As long as we pay for his name, it doesn't matter what we do, you know? Like, yeah, I think it's on us. I think we made a huge error. Um, yeah, anyway, uh, all I'm saying is 
we're going to be harsher on bad stories in video games. And if a game is all story, then fuck me. We're going to go all the way in on it just to make people aware. I don't know. It's also hard because there are people who genuinely like David Cage's writing, which is inexplicable to me. But, like, there's all sorts of shit that people like that I don't. So it's it's also hard. Like, it's tough from that perspective to, yeah, I don't know. It's very possible that someone would be like, just fucking like it. And you're like, but why? What about this and this and this? And they're like, yeah, but I just like it. Like, yeah. Um, I just, yeah, I just enjoy it. I mean, it's not like I don't, I mean, I, I've been known to enjoy some trash. Uh, generally, everything I like is like fucking A1, but yeah, it's, yeah there's some garbage out there that I like. Um, I can't actually think of any examples because my like taste is so perfect. Uh, but no, I'm kidding. Uh, yeah, there's got to be something. There's got to be something. I don't know. My wife still watches the fucking DC TV shows, like The Flash and Supergirl and shit, and it's staggering to me. But she likes them. Like she, but she likes them in that with that like knowledge that they're bad. Like she's fully, she's up front that they're garbage, but she still likes them anyway. She likes the characters and. Uh, I guess that's it. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. Like it's yeah, it's just one of those things, right? People like garbage for all kinds of reasons. Uh, yeah, I don't. I'm strong. I wish I could find some ex- example of some garbage that I like. But I just have impeccable taste. It's crazy. Kanye West, he's garbage. Um, anyway. So that's that. Uh, Detroit, become human. Don't become playing it. Um, Let's talk some news, shall we? So uh, first cab off the rank, uh, Call of Duty uh, has been announced. Black Ops 4, I believe it was. Was it? Was it Black Ops 4? It must be Black Ops 4, right? So it was revealed, uh, announced, whatever. Fuck. Um, yeah, it's, it's being made by Treyarch. Uh, and yeah, they're, they've revealed a bunch about it. I'm actually kind of excited about this. It's uh, it's coming out October 12, uh, which is a decent window. Um, it gives it a little bit of breathing room, I guess, um, before the Red Dead Redemption 2 monster comes in and fucks everything up uh, for everyone who isn't take two. Um yeah, it's uh they're they're trying to they've eliminated the usual single player campaign. It's all about these specialist missions now, uh, and so it's sort of more reminiscent. It's reminiscent of how Battlefield One approached it, you know, like this uh, these war stories. Um, so it looks like it's got that sort of thing um, going for it where it'll tell the stories of the different specialists that you've got in the game, which I think is a bit, I don't know, a bit disappointing. Black Ops has generally had the best single-player campaign in the uh, franchise since, uh, I guess, since Modern Warfare 2 anyway. Um, It's been the one that I've been looking forward to 
largely. And uh, yeah, so it's a bit disappointing, but still, like, I'm sure they'll tell, a, they'll find a way to tell a decent story. Um, they've uh, the big, like, they're making big changes. Like, it's clear, I think, that at least Treyarch believes the formula needs to be shaken up. Um, they're getting rid of like they, I, I, it's it's like esportsification. They're trying to make it so that they can go for a full blown esport. I think is what, like that's what I'm seeing. That's what I'm feeling from a lot of the changes that that we've been seeing. They've eliminated war running uh, and putting grappling, which uh, is. I bet Cliffy B's fucking mad about because um, Lawbreakers had fucking awesome grappling. Um, but uh, they've also added in like uh, manual healing. So you no longer just regenerate and now you manually heal on a cooldown. And uh, yeah, it means like they, they can like ramp up the pace a little bit, but also in like introduce tactical decisions. Uh, it used to be, uh, if you watch Call of Duty as an esport, like competitive Call of Duty, um, there's not a lot of um, camping because there's not enough time generally. So um, a lot of the time uh, players who get into firefights will finish the firefight whether they win or lose. But, um, yeah, that doesn't seem to be the, like, that's not how it's played in public games. Um, like, I'm not saying that they never run away. Um, but, yeah, generally because of the, the way that the game is set out, uh, like, players will push or they'll always push uh, the point because they need to, they need map control and stuff like that. Uh Obviously, yeah, circumstances change and, and like tactical decisions uh, are different. But, um, yeah, generally people fight to the death. Um, I think the change to like the health situation where now you press a button and you heal, I think that's a good thing because it incentivizes regular players, regular matchmaking uh, to play more like the pros do because – that pushing nature, like pushing nature, is more viable if you don't have to sit back. Like people will take a shot in regular Call of Duty, and then they'll sit behind a fucking wall for five seconds until they heal back up again. Uh, if that is not what they need to do, right? If they can just heal up, they press a button, heal up, and keep moving. Then that they're incentivized to play more like the pros, and that is always a really good way to increase. Uh, the link between how pros play and how regular people play. And it's one of those things that like there's a, uh, an aspirational and uh, educational element to a lot of the most successful esports. And that's not to say that Call of Duty isn't a successful esport. because obviously it's quite successful. But if you look at the, like the, if you look at Dota and League and Counter-Strike, um, they're, there's an aspirational educational element there in that a lot of like the way you play in uh, ranked, you can borrow, you can crib ideas from the pros and that's not really an option in Call of Duty. That's not how that works because people don't play that way. Um, 
this is a subtle way to incentivize people to play more like the pros. I think it's a really good idea. Um, weapons have predictive recoil, like the same fucking recoil patterns. It's no longer randomized, which is super interesting. But again, more esports, um, esportsification. And uh, and it means that people will have builds. And that is a level of expertise that I think uh, is super important as well. I think it's a, it's a way to connect people to like what are you, you can see, you know, the way um, fucking Dota 2 buff or, you know, Dota buff rather. And like, you can see how people go about playing and you can, you can get really deep into what people use and, yeah, what you're going to see is I think we'll see like COD pros doing the same thing. Now, like it'll be about the mods that a certain pro prefers and stuff like that. It's a really good way to connect, to link, yeah, like players and, and pros. I don't know if it's going to be enough. I think Call of Duty is going to have its roughest year ever and it's not going to be on Black Ops 4. Like, I don't think it'll be Black Ops 4's fault because Treyarch always put the fucking most uh, they can into that, their game, but it's still going to be fucking tough. Um, what else have they got? they got zombies again, obviously. Uh, I was talking about it earlier. I was playing some zombies in World War II zombies. Um, fuck, I love Call of Duty zombies. It's this weird fucking loony like hectic fucking puzzle game where you're constantly on edge and barely trying to stay alive. Um, I made it first. I've, I've played it shitloads at launch and uh, I was playing with randos. Me and Nate played a two person. Uh, we made it the furthest I've made it ever uh, by a long shot. I don't know if they've nerfed it, made it easier or something. I don't know if, what the fuck, but we were fucking hammering. It was good. It was really good. We were just fucking in sync and shit. It was cool. Anyway, I'm excited. Zombies coming back. Um, but the big, the other big one, the other big announcement is uh, Black Blackout, um, and it's a battle royale mode, and it is no surprise to see a battle royale mode. But um, yeah, they're talking like the biggest Call of Duty map ever. Uh, in one of the presentations, they they said it was um, Nuketown, uh, like some amount of times bigger than Nuketown. Um, Nate went through and uh, got some maths together, and he was saying it's about a four by four kilometer map, um, based on his maths. Uh, which is, it's not like, it's obviously big for Call of Duty, but it's not a big map. Um, it's the size of uh, whatever the fuck they're calling the new map in PUBG, right? Four by four, which is, yeah, like I said, still big, but it's not that big. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they do it. I watched the video and so uh, actually I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued enough to know for a fact that I'll be there, be in it on launch. But, uh, yeah, one of the things, uh, I can't, who the fuck said it to me? Um, someone was, someone was like giving me shit. Uh, so I'm like, why doesn't Battlefield have a fucking BR? Um, but yeah, 
They were like, uh, you can't have a good battle royale game if your game doesn't have a competent um, inventory set. Uh, Alex Blakey, who is a um, is involved with ESL Australia, is like casting and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, he uh, he's like, yeah, if it doesn't have uh, inventory, and I'm like, well, what about Call of Duty? He's like, yeah, exactly, and uh, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't. Call of Duty doesn't have a competent fucking inventory system, so it's going to be interesting to see how it fucking goes with that shit. Um, yeah. So I guess we'll have to wait and see. Um, yeah. It's going to have vehicles, land, air, and sea vehicles, they said. Uh, and it looks like from the video, it looks like you'll still have your specialist abilities and stuff like that. Um, so that'll be interesting. I don't understand how that will work, to be honest. Um, but yeah, apparently the map's made up with like from locations of uh, like previous Black Ops maps and stuff. So uh, it'll be like a, a tour. And I guess you'll have like call outs based on that as well. Like you might be all like, oh, I'm going to land in Newtown or something like that, which is cool. Uh, I don't know, man. Like uh, I, I think it, I, I'm actually genuinely intrigued and excited for this fucking game. So it's rare. It's rare. I'm usually cautiously optimistic no fuck that i'm apprehensive at best i think in the last couple of years um meanwhile uh speaking of shooter announcements uh battlefield 5 has been announced uh and it's set in world war 2 and it's coming out october 19 so yeah they're going fucking in i guess uh a week after call of duty uh, which is perfect. Um, this shit looks crazy. I am fucking amped. Uh, I can't believe it, but I am fucking amped. Uh, they're going like hardcore with this shit. They're getting rid of like spotting. 3D spotting is gone. Um, they're like... They're going to make it so that you've got fuck all ammo at all times. They're going to make it so you can build on the map. Um, yeah. Like, fuck, man. It it sounds like really interesting. There's obviously like you can build like AA and stuff. And um, so you'll be able to put that in certain places around the map and um the trailer they did, I, th- I thought the trailer was pretty lame. It looked, people are all like, oh, you know, a CG trailer. I, I'm not sure that it was CG. Uh, like, I think it was scripted, but I, I got the feeling like it might have been the real deal. I don't know. They didn't say it was in, in engine. Maybe uh, I might have missed something. Uh, uh, there's a lot of information coming out. Sorry. Um, yeah, so no battle or armor, but uh, there will be a, a final stand um, at the end of each game, which uh, like a last man standing thing. Um, so I guess that's their nod to the concept. No premium pass this time. Um, so everyone will get every map that they release, uh, which is perfect. It's fantastic. Uh, I think it's brilliant. Um, 
anyone like there's a heavy em- emphasis on squads. Uh, so anyone in a squad can revive anyone else, but only medics can get people back up to full. Uh, you no longer like um, dive and revive. You can't just revive a bunch of people all at once. Um, it's uh, like a laborious fucking um, element of the game now. You have to like fucking inject them with a syringe and then help them up. And so it takes a couple of seconds, um, which, uh, yeah, I guess they're going like more hardcore with it, which I think is rad. If you are a medic, uh, when you, you do it faster, you like, you get them back up faster and, uh, you get them back up to full health, which is cool. Um, what else? Uh, haven't got a lot. Of, I haven't seen a lot of details about the, um, the classes on hand. So I know that medics revive faster and, um, support builds, items faster you can build sandbags and you can rebuild destroyed like buildings and yeah stuff like that but uh yeah i don't know heaps yet my guess is that it will do four um four classes again and we'll have assault as anti-tank again and we'll have recon recon now you can't spot i assume recon will just be 1000% 1000% worthless and so I just won't allow recon in my squad so that'll be cool um yeah squads like earn points and you can spend those points to like call in stuff so it seems like you'll be able to like call in a tank for your squad now as opposed to like trying to spawn on whatever one tank there is or whatever um uh, it's pretty it's pretty cool. I, I I love I love where it's going with it. Um, I love this idea of uh, going like more hardcore of like adopting Project Reality or Squad, the game Squad um, ideas into the more mainstream Battlefield title. So uh, yeah, it seems like yeah, that's the game plan. Uh, I can't, I can't wait. I'm actually fucking hyped. I'm hyped for Battlefield 5. I'm hyped for Call of Duty. Obviously still hyped for Red Dead Redemption 2. Uh, yeah, I think it's going to be fucking awesome October. October is going to be fucking, it's going to pop off. It's going to be crazy, uh, which is sick. Yeah. Um, cool. Okay. That's, that's, that's the news. I don't look up any other news. I don't care about any other news. Let's do some questions. Um, so we'll just have a look in the email. Uh, you can do, you can email us, uh, at the GA podcast at gmail.com. Uh, if you want to ask questions or you can jump on our discord, the GA podcast.com slash discord. Um, and yeah, you can ask us questions if you like. Uh, Baz has a question on our discord. Baz writes, another great solo podcast, Chobo. Oh, fucking not even finished. Uh, first of all, well done, Fortnite, $100 million. Actually, that is some news that I should have mentioned. Um, it, staggering. It is a crazy amount of money. Uh, that is one way to get a fucking eSport off the ground is to inject so much money that people have to fucking pay attention. I mean, mostly excited about what this may- must mean for every other eSport because it's time for, I want to see Valve step up. They're like, I know they're making more than that. So 
Like, fucking put some fucking cash up, baby. Let's see it. Don't let Fortnite win. And PUBG too. PUBG should fucking get out there. Two million bucks for a tournament is awesome. But uh, I want to see fucking chuck a zero on that motherfucker. Let's see it. Um, Yeah. So, um, can you recommend some games for people that might be interested in gaming as a hobby, but are not sure where to start? Perhaps even recommend which gaming device to start with, e.g. console or PC. My advice would be to start with PC, but it's probably not that helpful. I do, I genuinely believe that you should start with a, a PC because you can get the, like, you can f- sample so many different types of game on PC that you might never otherwise uh, get a chance to if you're restricted to the console ecosystem. Uh, but... Uh, in terms of uh, actual actually entering the uh, scene, uh, it's far easier to just buy a fucking uh, console and, and roll in from there. Uh, games to like get a person in though are, uh, are like something co-op uh, that like quickly, um, I guess uh, something like um, I think over what's it called Overcooked. Is a great one because anyone can sort of get their mind around that. And but the so the pace of the game and uh, the nature of the game is such that uh, you are very quickly understanding the idea of moving with a left thumbstick and the idea of interacting with buttons, and uh, and then from there, uh, yeah, you like you've got a, a that's a, actually a really good place to start, I think. And uh, yeah, you're playing it in you know a cooperative environment with a bunch of people. You know, it's it's fun, and you get a good idea of uh, you know what what to expect from video games. It's chaotic. There's not a lot of story or anything like that, which is a good thing. So as I mentioned, video game stories are usually bad. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, like. It's it's one of those games where um, uh, people in my family who don't play games will still play Overcooked. Um, is it called Overcooked? I think it's called that. It over over something. I'm gonna look it up on my Steam. Overcooked. It is called Overcooked. Ah, let me go. The other one is uh, I think uh, Rocket League. Right, Rocket League can can be played in four player split screen, and uh, it's a it's an even better one because it teaches you uh, like movement plus camera control. And it's very easy to to understand on a conceptual level. All you need to do is drive your car into the into the big ball, and anyone can get into it. Like I guess it's a little bit sporty, which is the only thing so people who aren't interested in sport might look down on it uh, is I've seen it happen uh, but once they see that it's not really about the sport and it's more about just crashing yourself into a big ball uh, it's easier to get into a lot quicker so I think that's those are two good options I think and they're both on PC and console so too easy camp easy um, yeah Good question, Baz. Good question. Um, I think that's it. Uh, you can find the 
Geo Podcast on the GAPodcast.com. Oh, good one. Good stretch. Um, or you can check us out on iTunes or Android or Windows Store or we're not on Spotify. Uh, I don't know why you'd want a podcast on Spotify, but if anyone can tell me, um, I'm very interested. A lot of podcasts are going on Spotify now. I don't, I don't get it. Anyway, um, yeah. So find us there, uh, rate us and review us wherever you can. Um, I'm sorry that this was a solo podcast. I'm not sorry that it's an hour and 30 minutes long. Um, and yeah, uh, next week, Luke will be back. I don't know if he can talk about the shit that he's been seeing, but uh, I'm sure he'll have something to talk about. He definitely had fucking 48 hours worth of flying to do. So, uh, he better have been playing some fucking video games on that flight. Um, what else? Uh, less than less than thirty days before I go to fucking Japan. I'm so excited. Uh, and yeah, hit me up on um, Twitter, Twitter.com/slash Joby Jojo. Uh, you can follow the Gap on Twitter if you want to see we our um, when the podcast goes up. It usually hits our Twitter, so you can see it there, which is good. Um, if you download it manually, I mean, or if you want to check if it's failed to be on, put on iTunes, which is something I do on the regular. Um, what else? Uh, head to the gapodcast.com and check out my Detroit written review. If you want a more constructed version, um, of what I spent an hour talking about. You can see all the stuff. There was actually a bunch of stuff I didn't talk about on here that I did talk about in that, mostly because I don't want to fucking rehash a bunch of points. Um, and yeah, we'll see you next week. I don't know what we're going to be playing. Um, I'm sure we'll have something. Uh, but yeah, good stuff. Thanks for listening. Oh, oh, fuck. Before I go, I got to fucking. Um, we exist. Uh, courtesy of our awesome Patreon subscribers. Um, you can check check out the Patreon. I have no idea where. Um, fuck. Uh, I think it's I think it's patreon.com slash the gap or no, patreon.com slash the GA podcast. I'm pretty sure we, we went with the same thing for everything. Um, yeah, check us out there, patreon.com. Yeah. Subscribe, like, yeah, chuck us a couple of bucks or don't. Uh, we've got different tiers. Um, don't feel like you have to, but um, honestly, it's fucking amazing. Everyone who does it is spectacular and it helps so much. And, uh, like, it just covers our server costs. We, we're getting fucking hammered. Um, it took me fucking ages to put that review up because, well, yeah, we just, we're out of fucking server bandwidth. Uh, that's not me complaining. That's not me like it's not a fucking sub story. Don't feel like you're gonna jump in. Don't don't do it if you don't have the cash. Uh but yeah. Super grateful to everyone who does. Super grateful to everyone who listens as well. So um yeah, you're all fucking awesome. And uh I'll catch you next week. Alright, bye. bye.